This is the Raving Athletes Podcast, Season 8, with the College of William & Mary's head volleyball coach, Timothy Doyle. Hi. This is, I'm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, uh, 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 uh. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries, to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us <laughs> about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. On today's episode of Raising Athletes, we're excited to have the new College of William & Mary's head volleyball coach, Tim Doyle, on. Doyle has spent the last four, four years helping transform VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University's uh, program into a women's program, into a top-tier program. He was selected in 2017 by the American Volleyball Coaches Association on the 30, top 30 under 30 list. Most recently, he played a big role in the historic 2017 program for Virginia Commonwealth. The Rams reached 30 wins and went 30-3 and three, three on the season, season, which fashioned the longest win streak in the nation, 27 consecutive wins, collected their first A-10 regular season and tournament titles, and advanced to the NC2A tournament for the first time since 2005. Prior to that, Doyle spent two years at his alma mater working with the Ohio State men's volleyball team. An Ohio native, he also served as the Buckeye Valley High School women's volleyball program head coach in 2013, where he led the team to district semifinals. At the club level, he guided the Vanguard Volleyball Club's 16U boys regional squad to a gold bracket qualification in, five, in all five intertournaments from September 2011 to 2012. We are excited to have him on today. We're diving into how does the recruiting process work, and we've created a guide where if you're new to the process, which a lot of us are, what are the questions your child should ask when they are in the recruiting process, and what should they be prepared to answer? It will be a free download that will attach with this episode that you can use, or your child can use, I should say, um, as they go into the recruiting process. So without further ado, let's get Tim on the show. Hello, and welcome back today on Raising Athletes. We are talking to the head coach of College of William & Mary, volleyball coach, Tim Doyle, about finding your dream, if you have a dream to play college uh, sports, how do you find the dream school? Um, we're gonna talk about what your mission and vision should be aligned with getting after finding, um, finding your dream school. So today, let me give you a little introduction of ourselves, and then we'll jump in with Tim. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. My passion is helping others align their values with their mission and their mindset to get what they want in life. 
as a former Division I athlete and a 14-year Nike executive, I've always loved understanding the power of what makes peak performance possible. As a mother of three and someone who is currently in the middle of supporting my oldest dream to play sports in college, Susie and I have created this podcast to help others who are trying to raise not only strong athletes, but more importantly, good people. And I'm Susie Walton. I'm the founder of Indigo Village. I'm a mom of four incredible sons, and they were able to follow their dreams and play uh, basketball through their college years. And for a couple of them, they went on. One played in Mexico, one played in France, and one got to play for the LA Lakers for 10 years and is now the coach. Um, on top of all that, I am a grandma of nine little ones, all seven and under. I'm a speaker, author, and family coach. I've always loved sports, been an athlete myself. I still play beach volleyball. And my passion is kids. And I feel like one of the best ways to support kids is by supporting their parents and creating the family of their dreams. Awesome. And so that's exactly why we invited our guest today, Tim Doyle, to talk about um, how can we help our kids find the best fit for them? So first of all, congratulations, Tim. Welcome thank to my alma mater and the mater, alma mater of a nation. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yay. And I was just out there a couple of weeks ago and unfortunately missed you. I think we missed each other by just a couple hours. But yeah, just a couple hours. But congrats to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Hall of Famer. <laughs> Woo! Oh, it's such a special weekend. And it was so fun to be back on campus and... 25 years later, <laughs> hard to believe. Um, but in your young life, you've accomplished so much, um, you know, now being the new head coach at William & Mary, but you've coached both men and women, not only high school, but club and at the college level. So you just have such deep perspective already on how we can help support these uh, student athletes. So today we'd like to dive into the topic of finding your dream school as a student athlete. And there's a lot of parents out there who've never played college athletics, so um, they really don't understand how the whole process works. And as you and I talked about last week, I mean, I played, but it was so long ago, everything's changed. So, mm-hmm. and I know it varies by fo- sport, but like today, we'd love, love for you to take us through the overview at a high level. Um, you know, like what, what are the pr- recruiting process? How does it all work? I'll turn it over to Susie. She's going to cover the first half of it, and then I'll jump back in at the end, and we'll talk about some tools that we can give these parents and their teens. Perfect. So Still. Tim, you talk about a mission statement and, um, you know, and we'd like you to, you know, talk a bit about that and a bit about your coaching philosophy and what does this um, mission statement mean to you personally? Yeah. Uh, I think my, it, it's all kind of wrapped into the same thing, mission statement philosophy, and that's dare to be exceptional. Uh, and, and the, it's phrased that way. Uh, I think, I think it's all encompassing. Um, and really what it means to me is uh, it's all about making decisions in your life, uh, purposeful decisions in your life that move you towards the best version of yourself. Um, and day to day, it's tough to do um, because it's easy taking the road that's always traveled. And you hear that pretty frequently. Um, and that's why it's a dare to be exceptional because to wake up each day and, and try to make these decisions that are tough, you know, one extra rep here or how hard am I going to go in practice or in training or um, am I going to go ahead and have that extra donut, um, whatever it is, and, and choosing the right path or what you know the right path is or to keep you on the path um, is not an easy thing to do. And, and so it takes some courage and it takes guts to dare to become the absolute best version of yourself and become exceptional. So um, that's kind of where I stem from. And part of my job and why it's my coaching philosophy is 
hopefully I can inspire other people um, into that decision-making and inspire people to really reach and strive to become the best version of themselves. And even the people around me, not just the athletes that I work with, but those, um, you know, coworkers, can I help them part of themselves uh, that will help, you know, take them to, uh, you know, again, the, the best you that you can be. That's so, that's so great. You know, because I played college sports. I don't remember any coach asking me to be, you know, have <laughs> to dare to be exceptional. I love that whole culture that you're creating there um, at the school. When you take this through a high level, also known as the bird eye view, how that recruiting process works, at least for volleyball, because I'm, I'm sure other sports may vary, but you know, how does that look? Yeah, for a big picture view, um, you know, it's always going to start with one of two things for us, either an email that we receive or an evaluation where I've seen a player live at a tournament. Maybe we haven't had contact before, but I see them play and I'm impressed by them. Um, or an email that comes into us and, and we're impressed by a video they, they attach. Um, or maybe there's no video, but either way, they've shown an interest in us. Uh, kind of I'm sorry to interrupt. So then do you encourage students, like if you're looking to play at a certain school, reach out to me. Let me know you're out yes. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of the first things when people ask for advice is, I say, do you have, you know, maybe a short list of schools, 10 schools at Division One, Two, Three level? that you might be interested in geographically, size of school, offered major, do you have a list of those schools and have you reached out to them? Some of those schools say, you know, hey, we're, and I, I respond frequently with this, hey, we're not recruiting that position or that class. And I really appreciate your interest and, and you know, stay persistent basically because it takes a lot of persistence and positivity to go through the recruiting stuff. But um, so, yeah. Um, and, and if that goes well and we like them, then we want to watch them live. Uh, we evaluate them for, not just their, their technical skill and their athleticism, but, you know, are they paying attention in team huddles? Are they good teammates? Are they the person who's going to skin their knee going after a ball when there's no chance they get it back across the net? That stuff tells me about who they are as a person and, and not just as a player. Um, and if that goes well, after watching them play live, you know, we like to get them on the phone and, okay, what is this, you know, ask them questions and get to know them uh, individually and what are they looking for and, how uh, interested in us um, are they? And they, because we know that we're interested in, so it's a little bit of a, this is kind of recruiting uh, where, where you try and suss that out. And if that goes well, um, you know, the conversation is mutually, we're like, hey, this is, seems like a, a good fit. We'll probably watch them one more time live just to make sure um, that they're going to be a good athletic fit and technical fit. And then if that goes well, you know, then we offer them to, to come to campus and hopefully offer them a spot on the team and they accept. And, that process can take anywhere from one to two months on the short end for really mature prospective student athletes. And, you know, I've had recruitments take nine months to uh, 10 months uh, when they, they a little bit need a little bit more time. Can I jump in one more time, Susie? <laughs> yes. Uh, so my sons, as I mentioned, being trying to be recruited as well. And, you know, the coach showed up for the first game, which he didn't play very well. And the second game wasn't there. Right. So what yeah. advice would you give to athletes who are like, okay, I know the coach is here. Uh, you no, know that's added pressure. Right. And how yeah. do you perform under that pressure? What, what advice do you have for, for them? Those, first of all, those poor souls, because <laughs> on my end, I'm like, okay, I'll come back and watch a, a, a different game sometime or, you know, no big deal. Like everybody has a bad, bad set. But they're inside, they're tormented because they think, oh my God, I just blew everything. And, and so, uh, first of all, know that out there, coaches are willing to come back um, if you're showing an interest. They're, they're showing, and, and at least me, I think, 
quality coach who's willing to spend some time. But I, I would advise them to the same advice they give when they're on the phone. Be yourself. Be the player you are. Trust your training. If you're working hard in practice and you're doing your absolute best to prepare yourself, then just go out there, have fun, and trust your training, and just do do your absolute best. Um, and just like it, when they're on the phone, just be yourself. And you know, if it's a good fit, then we're at something genuine, authentic. So um, I think that's all you can do when you're in those situations. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it is. You, you feel for them though, because they do, you know, you tell them don't pay attention to who's around, but like, <laughs> oh, good, good luck with that, right? Logo on your shirt and <laughs> you, yeah. you want to impress them. It's like dating, right? Yeah. So do you want, can you take us like through like each, like the whole court, like the courting process, just a little bit of each, like what happens in the freshman year of a high school kid? And are you actually ever really looking at eighth graders? I've um, tried not to sound judgmental on that one, but. (laughs) Well, welcome to, well then welcome to volleyball, particularly division one volleyball, because short answer is yes, those eighth graders are getting looked at um, being, being offered and asked to campus and, ask for a decision. And that just happens. And that happened. That's going to vary depending on what the bit uh, what conference you're in. You know, if you're in a, um, you know, a, an autonomy five or power five conference, as they typically call them like a big 10, they're watching eighth graders and freshmen offering them having campus and that sort of thing for us. Freshman year is kind of with the evaluation phase. And so we spend a lot of time watching them, not necessarily contacting kids, yeah. phone calls, but we'll, we'll evaluate them. And then we look for progress into their sophomore year and sophomore year, Probably by March, uh, we're like, okay, let's get them on the phone. Let's gauge their level of interest. Let's assess whether they'd be good fits here. They've had some time academically to themselves out and if they'd be strong in, in that regard, uh, because that's important to our school. Um, and every school is going to have their little niche. And then, uh, you know, end of their sophomore year or tail end of their sophomore year and the end of the junior year for us is kind of the sweet spot. That's where we really want to get kids on the phone, um, kids who would be serious about William and Mary and us about them have them to campus, offer them and have them accept. And then seniors here, senior years, that's their opportunity to continue to get better, um, get to know us on a deeper level. We like to send our core values once a month in a letter to mm-hmm. each girl so that they anticipate what life is going to be like here at William Mary and, um, and that sort of thing. And when I talk about the senior year, do you see many unsigned seniors opportunity? Do they have opportunities? And <sighs> they do. They do. I think a lot of times people are always just, they want to rush and say, you know, I got to find something now. My, my clock is ticking, right? They, every player and every family in particular has a running clock they feel like is about to expire. And that's just not true. Um, because I think that where you're meant to be, you'll end up at number mm-hmm. as long as you're working hard. If, if you're not putting in the time or effort, then yeah, you could, you probably won't have an opportunity. If you're actually one of those people who works hard and does what their coaches ask. You'll have a chance. And that might be not be division one stay open to different opportunities that are out there that are still good fits. There's tons of division two and three schools and people are just not open to who want to only go division one. Um, I, I recruited a player and signed a player January of her senior year. And so it, and that was while I was at VCU. So um, that happens and it just happened that, you know, scholarship became available for us and she was a late bloomer and we were on the lookout and it worked. Um, and if that's not you, that's okay because somebody else will show an interest as long as you're dedicated to the sport. Yeah. And I know, you know talk about dedication. I, I know with my son, Luke, that played at Arizona, he was getting letters from him or emails, maybe letters. I don't know how much computers or how <laughs> way back then. 
but you know, from Arizona, from the time he was like a sophomore. And I know that as a senior, he became much more valuable to a lot of schools, but he felt, he just had, he felt like Arizona had been so dedicated to him, Yeah, you know, that he, that's, you know, and that's obviously where he ended up going. I mean, after that visit, he's like, this is an incredible school, but I know a part of that had to do that. They, they cared about him when he was younger where a lot of the other schools waited till he was a senior and all of a sudden like, Oh, he's good. But yeah. You know, he, he liked having that, um, that feeling of want, you know, feeling a valuable member at a young age. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I think people are naturally inclined. If you, if you show belief in another person, they're naturally inclined, number one, to like you more. And number two, they're going to, they're going to run through a wall for you. And that goes with coaching. I right. heartedly in our girls right now and in their ability to develop and improve and want to be the best version of themselves. And hopefully I can motivate and inspire them to do that. But yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think, sorry, do you think that girls are peaking? Like, or have you seen players that are coming and leaving better than you would ever imagine them? Like, I remember as I was graduating, the assistant coach said to me, it's too bad you're, you're graduating. You're finally a really good setter. I was like, yeah. Crap. <laughs> really? <laughs> My career is over. But you're I like, that's even a compliment. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was like, yeah. I was like, I think that was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. For us, for me, I see the most development, not really athletically, because they're they're gonna come to us as pretty awesome athletes. It's more the the tactical side and the maturation side. So by the time they leave as seniors. They understand the game. They understand the flow of what we want to do offensively. We can talk about a scouting report and have a conversation in the huddle about, hey, I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? And they're like, you know, I, I have this out on the court. It's like, okay. You know, and that person also goes in and takes care of their business in the training room and, gets, and sees our athletic trainer. And they do their homework uh, when they study tape. And um, they take their weight room seriously. And they take their responsibilities and leadership positions seriously. And that's where the development I see and that's the exciting part because that's them growing as a person, helping and helping somebody um, to achieve that. And again, access that part of themselves and really prepare themselves for the real world by knowing those responsibilities and delivering on those. That's, that's really, really the, the fulfilling and, and gratifying part of the job. So what are some of the key performance indicators that you're looking for when it comes to, um, you know, student coming to your school? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're an academic school mm-hmm. with, uh, after the eye test, I should say, you know, I, are you a good mover in space, uh, vertically, laterally, um, athletically, just, you know, a solid overall all around athlete. We look at the fit academically and, and we're looking at somebody who has a 4.0 plus GPA, somebody who's in the top 10% of their class, uh, and has an SAT of 1330 or higher, or an ACT of 31 or higher. And those are kind of our top, top of the guidelines. You know, you're going to be a no brainer academically and a a fit. And and we're going to say yes to that person admissions wise. And there's a little bit of leeway with that, right? I mean, if you're a a great athlete and you're not hitting those benchmarks, that's okay. Right. We have some leniency in terms of admissions, but, um, and things fluctuate year to year, but those are the general, um, you know, key performance indicators for us. Okay. Um, so 15% come in saying they know what they want to do. <laughs> I think, uh, it, it could be lower than that. I, <laughs> I think people, some, you know, they have an idea of what they want to do, but man, don't you remember when you were, 
I remember when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, and people would tell me these job titles that they had, or, uh, you know, a, a friend's parent would say, you know, I'm the VP of marketing solutions. No, I, that was such a nebulous title to me. What does that actually mean? And how do you actually end up there? So, you know, what, what is a good fit about William and Mary for me is that we're not necessarily interested in majors. We're interested in what are the, the things you'll be doing? What is the field entail? the day-to-day operations and responsibilities of a marketing solutions or whatever, what have you. But yeah, it's, I, I don't know that you, <laughs> that's why I put 50% or, or lower perhaps because you say that's your major, but it's, it really could be something way different. I, when I spoke there, when I was there two weeks ago, I spoke to about 80 undergrad and MBAs. And that was the first question I asked is, okay, raise your hand if you know exactly what you want to do. I think maybe four or five hands went up, right? And these are the people are already getting their MBA. So you're like, okay, so if you don't know what you're going to do, but I think that's very normal. Uh, when my team got together 10 years ago when my coach was retiring and I asked who used their major of 15 women, two raised their hand. You know, so what you right. go in for isn't necessarily what right. you come out of there for, right? And what you use in your life, it's the relationships, it's the development that you just talked about that you're going to get. That's the, that's the gift I think you get from a place like Luminary. And, and how many people too, you know, of, of student athletes in high school or prospective student athletes, recruits who want to go on to that next level, you know, I think they oftentimes get intimidated because they see their peers say, yeah, I want to be a lawyer. And I want to go to this school and I'm confident that this is my path. There's a, I think people adopt that perception because they want to be perceived that they have it all figured out and life is good and figured out, but it's really not that clear cut and everybody's got a different path and it's okay to be you and be on that different path. And and that means you're unique. um, And and everybody has a different, a different taste. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. I have some more questions for you. The unofficial and official visits. Talk mm-hmm. about visits and when do they happen? And who, you know, this is for especially for the parents who are just like this is the, their first timers. Like, you know, when do they happen? Who pays for them? And um, yeah, yeah. So there's two types of visits: an official visit and and an unofficial visit. On official visits, with current legislation, those can be offered to seniors, and we can pay for everything on our end. Unofficial visits. Um, the school can't pay for anything, meaning uh, the are going to be responsible for all the costs, travel, uh, food, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the two primary types of visits um, that could change on April 25th. The NCAA is going to vote to have um, official visits be offered junior year. So junior, junior year now, uh, recruits would be able to have the, their stuff paid for by the school to bring them on campus. But um, either way. that as a benefit or... I'm sorry. Do you see that as a benefit? Do you like that idea? Um, I yes and no. I I, I do. I don't. I think it does. Call, it will make the schools more selective about who they offer to bring on campus. Mm. I know who my top kid is, or my who my top two or three kids is, and I'm going to offer them to come on campus. And somebody who falls out of that range, you know, I'll maybe offer that unofficial visit. And so that might be an indicator even for a recruit, like okay. Why, why am I not on an, is it because you don't have the money or am I not that good of a player? Uh, according to you? So That's going to be interesting. Um, it is going to put, I think, a burden and on budgets for, for schools and particularly for schools that aren't 
as fun as some schools. You know, the Power Five schools are gonna. I don't think they're gonna be that that affected um, because they have um, large recruiting budgets. And I think if you even were smarter about some of the choices you made in your normal recruiting, that you could save enough money to bring as many kids on as you need. So we'll find out with that. Um, but going back to when we have those visits, that will happen after we've evaluated them live and we've had those phone conversations. We've deemed it to be a good fit on both sides. And then we want to bring them on campus and see how they interact with the girls, see our resources, um, get to know us in person. Um, and that's when we typically offer is on a visit. And do you have girls to accept on the spot or is it usually go home and think about it? And we that's in four years, we had one girl who did that. Um, and already here at Women Mary, we've had two uh, on the spot, which has been great. Uh, but I think it's because we were a little bit late. So we were recruiting right now, 2019's juniors um, were a little bit further along and more mature. They know what they want. They don't really want to mess around and, and extend the process. So be on that two to three month kind of getting to know you recruiting timeline where you can get a sense of who that person is. Um, and you talk to enough people around them where you feel confident in your decision both ways. Awesome. Thanks for that overview. Susan, yeah. you have another yeah. No, that's great. Thank you. Okay. Sure. Let yeah. me move into um, something you and I originally connected about, which was, um, this has kind of been a pet project of mine, but I go back to my 18-year-old self, and I just wanted to play college volleyball. And I wish I would have had a tool, uh, a guide of, what should I ask? Like, I've never done this before. Um, You know, and my parents didn't have a clue. My parents had never played sports. So they're like, I don't know. You know, you go in and ask what's important to you. But you don't know exactly. So I've created this tool, which we'll have attached in the podcast. Um, And what I would love to do is kind of go through a couple of questions and maybe see what your your point of view is on that. Um, But these are some of the suggestions that we have in, in the tool, in the guide, which, again, will be attached and you'll be able to download um, after you listen to the podcast. So, um, number one, like, how do you, how do you motivate your players? Right. So why would a student ask this? Well, you're trying to understand their coaching philosophy, right? And we've all, well, I think several, many of us have played for coaches that we don't have the same philosophy as they do. So asking a question like this can be very telling, right? So how would you answer, how do you motivate your players? I mean, I personally would answer that by saying it's kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of a half and half because if I'm doing all of the motivation, then you're not all in as a player. However, I think there, there's a lot of coaches on the flip end of that that say, you know what, it's all got to be internal and intrinsic motivation. And, you know, if you don't want it bad enough, then you know, nobody can, but you know, I, I got into help change people's lives personally. I helped into it, help that person dare to be exceptional. And sometimes you have tough days and, and, to have somebody there to inspire you and motivate you and give you that little boost or that little roadmap or that little, you know, send them a picture of a motivational quote, anything like that. You never know how that picks up somebody's day because you can't be, it's almost impossible to be every single day all in all by yourself. That's just not how life works. You Good people around you to help inspire you and motivate you. So, and I think you're right. I think that's telling about a coach's philosophy. Some players may want a coach who's like, you know what, I'm going to be by the book. I'm going to be volleyball coach for you. And you get your inspiration from your teammates. Um, and that's fine. Um, that's not how I operate, but that's why, um, you know, you make, this is how fit is determined. 
I think another, so this kind of folds into that, but like, um, because I was in the generation, Susie and I were in the generation where there was, of course, no social media or cell phones or anything, which is why I remember you have the same extension that my volleyball coach gave me that 25 years ago, because if we wanted to reach her, we had to call 3395. Um, So now, how often do you meet with your players? How often do you have one-on-ones? You mentioned, you know, sending inspirational quotes or being being there for them. What does that mean to you? And yeah, I like maybe every two weeks meet individually. That's a rough timeline, but I let my gut rule me. You know, a lot of times you observe, hey, this this player looked different at practice today. You know, what's going on? Maybe I just need to check in with them and see how, how they're doing, how their families are. You know, if they're a freshman, maybe they're missing home. That that seems about right now. And so I kind of my instinct rule me in those situations. Um, but it it's important to me because that's the going back to kind of the coaching philosophy of, uh, you know, I want to create a family here and, and this is a home away from home and to have somebody there who truly cares about you. And I truly care about the girls. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons that I want to meet individually and get to know them and know what understand and make them tick because I want to inspire them to get better and become the best version of themselves. And you see this kind of a, mm-hmm. a feedback loop here, but, um, yeah, that's about probably a, a general estimate every two weeks or so. Which feeds into this other question I would think is so critical to ask is how do you see me fitting into the program, right? So understanding where you are on the depth chart to go to begin with. So, hey, you're going to come in and, you know, be wary of the coach that says you're going to be a starter right away, right? Like, how do you handle um, somebody saying, where do you see me fitting in? Uh, you know, great question. I never promise playing time. It has to be earned, not because for me, you have to prove it to your teammates. You have to prove to teammates that you deserve to be on the floor. So um, I would I would answer that by saying, you know, I, number one, I know what I'm recruiting. I need a, you know, insert position in class. I need a 2020 libero. You know, I need somebody who's going to control the first touch and command the backcourt and be fearless. Um, and I see you and your personality type as clicking into that. And I think each position has different characteristics and traits that we look for, right? So again, using libero as an example, I want somebody who can command the court and be fearless and be relentless about it. And so when I go and watch them play, you know, I'm looking how hard they go after every ball. And if that passes an overpass and and the attacker's about to crush it, I will love to see him step up and say, bring it. You know what I mean? Um, And and when I see that, I'm like, you know what? That's where I see you fitting in. I see you fitting in a culture that is going to work hard is going to be coachable and who's going to be a great teammate. You know, that's what I'm looking for. And, and if you make the gym better, you know, if you're, if you're willing to make the gym better and you're willing to work hard and you're willing to make those decisions day by day, then, then you're going to be a fit with us. Um, and that's the stuff that you can control, right? Your work ethic, your coachability and how good of a teammate you are. You can control that stuff. That's what deems fit. Yeah. Awesome. Which then folds into asking the coach kind of what their vision is for their, for their program. And what are they most proud of? Like what would you, yeah. How would you answer that? Yeah. So I, my vision for the program is to have just a, a culture of, of competitors and, and eventually champions. You know, we, we want to be competing for CAA championships and we want to be in the tournament um, and we're going to expect to win and we're going to be uh, proud of. And what would make me most proud is the effort that we put in um, and how willing we are to devote ourselves to our teammates. And I think that you look in across any industry, this is probably most apt in the military where people do some pretty extraordinary things for their teammates. Um, and they go through some pretty great lengths to do whatever is required. of them. And so I'm proud when I see 
um, girls step up for one another and say, you know what? You're not playing. You're playing down right now. I got you. I got your back. I'm, let me take the load. Let, let me take the load of this match. And that's what you know gives me chills just thinking about a girl stepping up for each other mm-hmm. and, and doing so. So we always have this in the back of our mind. We know that there's this chase that's on for championships, but that doesn't deem, that doesn't really modify our day-to-day behavior. We're very process oriented. So that's in the back of our mind, but we don't talk about it. We talk about, Hey, are we going to get in the gym and get after it today? Um, are we going to be good teammates today and lift somebody up and make somebody else better? Cause that's really what's important. Yeah. Right before I jumped on, I was on Instagram and I saw the story and the girls were all in the weight room pushing each other. I was like, yeah, like getting after it. Absolutely. Get you after go it. Back to the gym. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, I, we've taken plenty of your time, but maybe we can finish with one last question that I love yeah. and I always ask. I asked at Nike a lot, two of our leaders. What keeps you up at night about your program? <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> what a tough question. I mean, no, no recruit has ever asked me that, by the way. And I would be so this is part of a new question for me. But what keeps me up at night about my program is am I doing enough? Am I doing enough to make successful? And I think any good leader should um, take some take ownership in the in the process, and everything at the end of the day falls back on me. So, at the, what, what keeps me up is you know I I didn't do enough today to make sure that they had what they need. I didn't do enough today to make sure they know where they're going. I didn't do enough today to make sure the assistants are clear about what they have to do, and um, and just making sure that we we are covering every single detail to make them make things easy for them. And when I say make things easy, I don't concerned about disorganized practice. I don't want them concerned about logistics of a trip. I don't want them concerned about, are we going to have our, our meal plans taken care of in our housing? You know, let us do that. I want the tough stuff and the tough decisions to come from that day-to-day behavior. Am I going to make the tar- hard choice to dare to be exceptional? That's where I want their energy consumed. And so am I doing enough to make sure that all these little things are being taken care of to, to inspire them to really, um, become the best version of themselves. I have one more question for you. Yeah. Since I run parenting seminars. Um, what is your, I forget, I know what your take is, but how would you handle a parent who becomes overly involved with their child's recruiting and then actually their child's playing time and all that in college? Have you had that? And, or how would you handle that? Had some tastes of it. Well, actually, give some pointers to parents why why it's important not to do that or how to, how it what part well, they're not they're not going to come play for me, right? <laughs> Are they going to unless they're going to come back for another degree in another four years? You know they're they're only setting up their child, I think, for failure. And and what I mean by that is it's not going to be. We talk about ownership. It's not going to be that recruits process. It's not going to be their school. It's not going to be their coach. It's not going to be their fit. It's not going to be their email. There's no part of that that's theirs then if the parent is overtaking those responsibilities. And you, for me, I'm looking for, and I can always tell too. I, when I get an email, I can say, okay, did you really write that? That's professional <laughs> for a 15 year old. Um, you know and so I almost prefer the girls, you know what? If, if you have a short email because you're nervous and you don't know what to put, write that, you know, but take ownership in it because that's, it's, and I say this to every recruit on the phone, it's your process. It's not your parents. It's not mine. It's not William and Mary's. It's nobody's but your own. And you get to decide when you get to decide how important it is to you and, and your level of involvement from your parents. So I'd be wary too um, for parents if they get too 
baseball, um, then they're taking away from their child's, um, their path and what they're meant to do. So your tip for these parents in a very loving, kind way? <laughs> it's difficult, but relinquish, relinquish some control, relinquish some of that. You know, you want to make sure that everything is taken care of. But by now they're, they're, they're going to want to own it themselves if they really do. And maybe they don't. And that's the other good thing too. Maybe mm-hmm. that this isn't for them or, or whatever um, the case may be. So thank you for that. Of course. That. Yeah. Of course. Quick story. My kids had just moved to San Diego and my middle child was in, kin- or in first grade. And I met, went for a mom meetup and about 10 of us got together. And the first thing that all the moms said is we have a book report next due next week. What are we going to do? And I thought, we, what do you mean we? <laughs> I am not in first grade. <laughs> the parent, right. literally all of the group was planning how they were going to get this scroll written and what, what they were going to put on it. And it just came to my mind as you were talking about how the, how the emails worded, right? It's the same oh, yeah. thing, whether you're writing the first graders book report or your help, you know, whenever my son comes to me, he says, the coach texted me. Great. What do you want to say? I don't know. Let me know and I'll help you edit it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. So for parents out there that are listening, I just want to add that tip. This starts when they're in first grade, kindergarten, you know, five years old, not when they're going to high school to, to let them do their own report card or book reports and, you know, let them not do a homework assignment and, and have that mistake happen and have to get back up and handle it. Like for parents out there listening, the, the earlier you can start this process of these kids self-managing, the less you're going to have to worry about them when they're heading to college and how to handle themselves, how to get recruited. They're going to have it handled. So it's never too soon to start this whole self-management training, which I think is what we're talking about here. Yeah. I've, you know, it's interesting you say that too, because something that I've started picked up on maybe in the past year and um, is I really evaluate for us, you know, we're recruiting female student athletes, evaluating their relationship with their mother um, and on a visit, you'd be surprised. To me, the girls who have been very buddy buddy or best friends with their with their mom, sometimes that's a red flag for well, how resilient is that person going to be, or um, is this going to be a situation where they're going to be mentally tough? Because you know there are times where you call home, you're like, hey, it sucks right now. It's hard. The days are long, and you need somebody on the other end of the line at the end of the day says, you know what, tough enough, you got this. Get through. It. And then you know what, oh, you you know, you poor thing, and we'll get you home soon, and. We can find a place closer to home. You know, that's where I think transfers start to happen. And um, hmm. yeah, I really evaluate that relationship too. That's so funny. My boys would never, I have four sons, never once did they invite me to go on a visit with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Maybe that's like, a good thing. No, mom. Know. It's like they never let me help them with their college apps. They're like, what part are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just like hear people are doing college apps and. But they were well, and, you know, went on their see, own road and decided their own. And exactly. And that's just it, right? They went to these foreign, your sons went to these foreign countries. And boy, do you have to be resilient when you're over there. You're dropped down into an environment you know nothing about. And you have to fend for yourself. Yeah. And somebody always there trying to fend for you. Then you're in, uh, you know, a deeper situation than you want to be. That was before cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> the old landline. Yeah. <laughs> Telegram. At least we had voicemail back then. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, awesome. Well, this thank is you so, so much, Tim. Yeah, no, I, I, the honor is all mine. I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of this podcast. And I think it's great what you guys are doing for uh, recruits and their families and, and helping shed some light and some transparency to 
what's going on on the other. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to say to parents, if this is of value to you, please share this. It's on iTunes. Please share this with your friends. And, um, you know, everybody seems to know somebody in their neighborhood who's trying to make it to the next level. So hopefully this information will attach this guide, which I think is five pages long now. And I'm not saying you have to take all of it and go through every question. But even if you picked your top 10 questions as you got on the phone with a coach, and or, the, you know, when you were walking into a meeting, and the coaches I've spoken to, I think Tim included, have said, please come with your questions. Like, again, that shows us that you're as interested in figuring this out and getting a good solution as they are, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you for parents. How about, wait, there's one more. I just want to like (laughs) parents out there listening who have a teen daughter who might like to check out William and Mary in the fall or come to your camp. It's tribeathletics.com. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Tribe. And you guys, I mean, right now, Tim, because I played volleyball, if, if I had something like this to listen to, yeah. I'd be emailing you right now as a senior or a junior in high school. Hey, you sound like you're right where I want to be. <laughs> like, yes, you're amazing. So thank you for sharing. You no, know, that's good. And you know what? There's probably an equal percentage out there that says you sound soft and I'm out. <laughs> now at least we know each other. Yep, exactly. No, Very good. good. That's good. Thank you for the compliment. Thank, I, thank I you. really appreciate yeah. your time and having me on. Awesome. We're gonna we're gonna have you back. I know. Already. I hope so. I would love to. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay.